as long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. Morning news on 710 KURV. Top newsmakers. Here's Sergio Sanchez. Traffic map, you're running a little slower on McAllen and Westlaco streets, I understand it. First day of school for McAllen. And joining us uh, from McAllen ISD is our superintendent, Dr. Jay Gonzalez. And let's start where I suspect a lot of people might have their minds this morning, Dr. Jay. Security. Anything you'd like to announce or maybe tell parents about security improvements or enhancements that have been applied to McAllen recently? Uh, yes, sir. Well, good morning, and uh, we're excited about the school year. Yeah, we uh, last week we had a uh, we had a, a get together with our with our our parents. So yeah, just let the parents know that that we're ready to go for another great school year. Fortunately for us, we have our own police department, so that's what uh, really makes us unique. So we're excited for another great school year at McAllen. 10-4. Well, tell me about uh, any new curriculum or programs that might be kicking in this year. Well, one of the things we're we're very proud, we, we earned an A again uh, for the third year in a row, so we're excited about about that. Um, as far as our game plan for moving forward, we have different programs that we offer our students, um, IB programs, which we're, we're very, very good at. And then we have our STEAM Plus program at all of our comprehensive schools. So we're excited again uh, to come out of, uh, I guess, a little bit more normalcy if you're looking at you know, challenges, challenges we've had in the last two years with, with the pandemic. Uh, we feel a lot better going into this year. Dr. Jay Gonzalez, superintendent of McAllen Schools. It's the first day of school for McAllen. Uh, Dr. Gonzalez, Tim Sullivan here. Back to the security issue for a moment. And of course, we all know that uh, the McAllen ISD is always monitoring, you know, possible security upgrades, improvements, and and such. And in your discussions with with parents, what uh, what have you told them as far as any? Real new uh, security upgrades, I guess, since since Uvalde. What what uh, has the McAllen ISD been prompted to do? Well, I know that uh, last week's town hall meeting was very beneficial. We had an opportunity to talk to them about protocols with regard to doors being locked. So exterior doors um, will be locked. Well, interior doors uh, will be locked. Uh, McAllen ISD, we also have security foyers in place. Um, so just be prepared when you go to one of our campuses to, to enter through a security foyer. And, and also we have a Raptor system where you need to present your ID uh, just to make sure that um, everything is good on the DPS database. And uh, one big one, uh, we're, we're not allowing uh, parents to bring lunch because I know historically you've been able to, you know, maybe go to a restaurant and deliver lunch. So that, that's probably one big one that's going to impact some kids. But for the most part, um, our kids, they love our, our food. We have a good cafeteria food service program. So, so to all the parents out there, just be patient with us on that one. Yeah, so once the kids are in school, I mean, that's it. No, they don't go out and no visitors come in. 
with, with without That's right. yeah with, with unless they you know they pass through that uh, security system. Yes, sir. Okay. Do you eat the same cafeteria food, Jay, <laughs> as the rest of the kids? They're on campus. You know, I do. When, <laughs> when I'm on campuses, sometimes I will. Uh, but for the most part, I'm moving around, so I'm usually either packing a lunch or stocking for a big bite. Yeah, and as superintendent, you get an extra dessert, right? As superintendent. That's one, <laughs> sometimes. Of, the, one of the benefits. Uh, the, in the news of late, conversations at McAllen, perhaps looking at new projects, new funding, maybe tax increase. What can you tell me about that? What's what's the scuttlebutt over at ISD? No, at, at this point, uh, we're uh, we're not looking at at anything uh, with regard to any kind of facility building. So we're taking it day by day on that side. Um, I know that uh, we did have conversations about portable buildings at the town hall meeting. You know, that's one area that's of concern across the district. But you know, that that would take a, a community effort if we were going to do anything substantial with regard to with regard to any type of, of construction or adding anything to, to school buildings. What are the more pressing? What are the more pressing funding issues for McAllen ISD now that we're entering a post-COVID era and no extra money coming in from the feds? Yeah, I think I think that one of the the most pressing, and this is the same for every school district across uh, Texas, is that uh, you know they they base our funding on average weighted daily attendance, and I think that in, in working with state leaders, I've been trying to get them to to make make an adjustment there and. And fund us based on enrollment so it's not necessarily what percentage of the 21,000 kids are coming to school if they could fund us on the 21,000 students that are enrolled that would be beneficial to us so we're, we're pushing on that on the state and hopefully yeah. hopefully our yeah. our leaders are here that's that's one way to balance out um, that uh, shortfall right from the last bloom that we had in December see if we can get see even out the funding that's something that all school districts are in after we saw that bloom last go around I suspect that's something that's going to get uh, quite a bit of of traction next legislative session, what to do with that. Because it's lawmakers that have to figure out how to make up for that shortfall, right? Yeah, I mean, it, just as an example for us in McAllen ISD, if our enrollment was what we were funded on, uh, that would be approximately a, a $6 million swing for us. Because, you know, just because you have 21,000 kids enrolled doesn't mean that, that they're not not all there on a given day. So, you know, you're, you're averaging... 95, 96% attendance but, if, if you're good. So you're missing out on that, yeah. that percentage that aren't showing up. Dr. Jay Gonzalez, Superintendent McAllen Schools, our guest first day of school for McAllen. Several articles, a lot of school districts hurting for teachers and staff. How's McAllen doing on staffing and, and teachers? Last time I checked with our human resource department, we were approximately 18 teachers down, which is pretty much average for us. I mean, you hear some of the schools and parts of the state with still missing hundreds of teachers. So, you know, fortunately for us, we're doing well on staffing. And like Edinburgh, this is the year that, like this semester, you're kickstarting that new relationship, uh, that new program with UTRGV, right? You care to explain what that is? Well, we're in the process of working with UTRGV. To, to build a collegiate high school, and that would be located off of Pecan Street, uh, past McCall. Uh, we do have some property that, that is in our zone, approximately eight acres. Uh, the plan is to have a collegiate high school on the medical school campus, because there's going to be a medical school campus there, and uh, we'd be able to offer programs uh, in the medical field, in the engineering field, computer science, and education and create pathways uh, for our students. Now, they'd still be, 
they'd still be if they they were playing extracurricular activities, they'd still be playing at the the high school that they're zoned to. So if I'm a McAllen High School that goes to the academy, I'd, I'd play for the Bulldogs. Okay. And the same is true for fine arts and things of that sort. So we're excited about that. Is that new collegiate high school? Is the program starting without the brick and mortar? Like you're starting separately somewhere, or you're going to wait until you get the actual facility for that? Well, the plan is to start uh, without the brick and mortar. So since the program's new, we, we'd start with our freshmen and our sophomore uh, groups, and uh-huh. they would be housed out of their comprehensive high school. It wouldn't be to their junior year um, that they'd actually move into a new building. So it, sure. it's a ways off as far as brick and mortar. Sure. Do you have it populated already? How many kids are involved in that program? Do you know? Yeah, we're in the process right now of taking applications and, and getting it going. So we're working closely with UTRGV and working closely with our administration to make sure that we that we get it right. So it might happen later this year or maybe semester two or yes. something, or maybe next next academic year. What, what, do, you, what do you say? Uh, yes, sir. We're in that process right now. Um, so it may happen second semester where we start, to, okay. All right. start to get going. Well, be safe and continued success, and we hope you have a, a great year, you and all the teachers and kids over at McAllen. That's our superintendent for at McAllen Schools, Dr. Jay Gonzalez. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids to running errands, your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURB. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. Download the free app for 710KURV and all our sister stations at Radio United. Crisp, clear audio and access to previous programs from 710KURV only at Radio Parami. Download it. It's free. First week of school for our family in Westlaco. Dr. Dino Conorado is our superintendent for Westlaco Schools. A lot has been said by other school districts, Dr. D, about staffing issues. They're kind of short on teachers. Is that the same over at Westlaco? You're a bit shy of where you want to be as far as the number of teachers? Um, actually, we, we, we are, but we're probably not as bad. Uh, we, we have about 300 subs to, to fill in just in case. We, okay. we really want to see where we're going to level off. Um, yesterday, we were up about 800 students uh, from we where we were exactly the same day last year. Wow. So that's, that's a good thing to have. And, mm-hmm. and so we're trying to, to figure out where, where some of the uh, – uh, where we kind of need the teachers right now. But uh, I think right now we're in pretty good shape. First day of school, 800 more wet goes to the halls compared to the same time last year. Do you know if Westlaco ISD is back to pre-pandemic registration, the number of kids? Uh, we're still uh, we're still down, actually. We should be um, – uh, we, we should have probably closer to 16,000 kids mm-hmm. and uh, pre-pandemic. And, and yesterday we, we clocked in at, at, at 15,100, but again, that's 800 more than what we had last year. So 
Uh, we're, we're off to a good start. And that was just as of 10.30 yesterday morning. We still had kids coming in in the afternoon. 10-4. Dr. Dina Coronado is the Westlaco superintendent. Dr. Coronado, Tim Sullivan here. So security, uh, what are your security measures in place now? And what have you had to do over the past uh, several months to get up, get up to speed? You know, the health and safety of our students and staff is, is, is clearly paramount to, to, a positive, to creating a positive learning environment. And so what we've done is, is we have checked the, all doors. We've labeled all exterior doors to the building. Uh, we do daily door sweeps and daily door checks. Um, the state requires us to do it week to monitor them weekly, but we actually do them daily. Um, we've created some systems in place to check those doors to ensure that you know, somebody doesn't accidentally go out that door or just go out that door and keep it open or propped open. So we're pretty active in monitoring all those doors. The other thing is that uh, we do have a single access point um, for all people. Uh, we have uh, electronic security measures uh, for our elementary and our middle schools um, in, in order to have access. And we also purchased um, uh, a device uh, to lock down doors. Uh, some of our doors, some of our buildings are pretty old, so some of the doors uh, didn't lock on the outside or, 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 or we didn't want to take the chance of, of, you know, maybe there was a sub there and didn't have a key. Um, so we installed uh, what, what safety devices that automatically lock. Well, they'll have to, to uh, it's a pin uh, that secures the door uh, in, in the manner where it doesn't open. Yeah. So. It takes about one second to pull it out, drop the pin, um, and the doors, the all classrooms are secure. So we, we have a lot of security. We've also partnered with Westlake OPD. Um, we have an SRO program that uh, we, we have two uh, armed police officers at each one of our high schools. And then we have an armed police officer at um, our uh, each one of our middle schools, and then we also have two rovers uh, to take care of our elementary schools. So I, we feel pretty confident in, in what we're doing uh, in terms of safety and security. Now talk more about the personnel in place. Did you say you partner with Westlaco PD, the city police, so they, they help you out? Do you Did you say you also have um, security officers in place, or is, is it kind of a, a combination of the two? So we actually have a combination of the two. We have 56 um, officers or security personnel. Um, uh, they're unarmed, but uh, they uh, they are security officers in place. They have access to uh, radios and, and, and contacts to Westlake OPD. And then we actually have two canine units uh, at, uh, that belong to, that are organic to Westlake ISB. And then the Westlake PD partnership is with our SRO uh, program. Um, the board just approved that. Um, I'm sorry, SRO means what? Our school resource officer. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. So gotcha. um, these are actually police officers from Westlake PD, our community, um, and uh, they are actually stationed or assigned to a particular campus. How many of these security measures have you had to put into place, you know, since... How much, how much of it was prompted by the Uvalde situation, the shooting there? Well, a, a lot of it, um, you, you know, we, what, I, I don't want to say it was routine for safety and security. It's always been on the forefront. Uvalde was, was hit closer to home, obviously, but with, with all the other, um, you know, mass shooting incidents, uh, there, there's always been a heightened sense of security anyway. 
Um, you know, with Evaldi, our, the Texas Education Agency got a little bit more proactive um, in establishing measures for school districts. Um, and, and so uh, we've, we've had to get ahead of their game as well. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and so, uh, you know, but a lot of it has always been on the forefront uh, of our mind in terms of, of, of access to our buildings. Um, we've applied for a few grants. Uh, that will create vestibules. We some of our campus have vestibules. In other words, you can go through the front door, but that that's just about all you're going. You're not going to go to the rest of the building. Um, and and so we're we, we have some designs in place um, to get those vestibules built. Um, and that really just stops people for, uh, from roaming the buildings or getting access to the building or to the classroom specifically. Perimeter fencing is that um, in place anywhere, or is it? Um something maybe for the future so actually all of our schools have uh, uh, security fencing around it um, the the two comprehensive high schools that we have actually have a security um, a guard point where you have to stop and actually physically speak to a guard before you even enter the grounds um, so that's our first uh, access point there not just the building um, and then all of our other campuses do have gates, um, and the gates remain open. Again, we still want to to provide a level of customer service for our parents and have access to our parents um, so that they can, you know, if, if, if their child forgot something or, or something, they can drop those off. But, um, but you know, we know that, that safety is not just a school issue. It's also a community issue. Um, so we need everybody's help um, with providing safety and security for the community. And, and so uh, we just want everybody to be uh, just proactive, alert, uh, and, and vigilant, at during, especially during these times. Yeah, and you see something suspicious near the campus, you call it in uh, to police for them to respond. Uh, Dr. Dino Conorado is the superintendent for Westlaco Schools, up and running now in Westlaco. And just one last uh, quick security uh, question. Uh, do you favor or expect to apply in the future, uh, or maybe maybe now you have it, some type of, you know, that stealthy marshal type of program where anyone who volunteers on staff to, to carry uh, some heat for defensive reasons uh, on campus. Uh, might we see that in Westlaco? Um, you know, right now we're, we're not. Um, uh, we're, those conversations, you know, have, we, we've, uh, myself and the board has talked about that at length, but um, it really hasn't gained any traction. So we're really... We're confident right now with our partnership with Westlake OBD, um, and and so uh, we we don't know that um, arming our teachers. Our, yeah. our teachers have enough to do uh, right now, especially given the size of our district. Other districts uh, have we, considered uh, setting up police forces uh, as well. Uh, have, have y'all talked about that in, in Westlake? Yeah, actually, that came up as well. You, you know, um, attracting police officers right now is, is hard. Even even our local. You know, all local police departments are running short police officers, yeah. and then we, we just couldn't compete with the salaries that, that those offer okay. that, that as compared for us. And, meant- and then the startup dollars yeah. and so forth. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't think it's, it's not something that, that we're considering right now. 10-4. And rounding out the numbers, I know it might be rounding a little higher, but you mentioned that pre-pandemic, you know, 16K. Right now we're slightly north of 15K. So on the funding issue for schools, um, anything you want to report there? Because we got another legislative session around the corner. I'm sure you're going to have to, you know, call Mondo Martinez to help out on the, you know, TEA side, reimbursement side. You know, the latest bloom that we had, all those things, and uh, all those kids that did not fill up the seats, and of course, let the funding issues. 
Yes, sir. You know, I think, you know, there's a, there's a myriad of funding issues that we're facing right now. Um, and, and we're actually in, in, in pretty good shape. Um, thank, thank God. Um, but, you know, I think in terms of the funding side, there's, there's always a need for more money. You know, there, there's, I've always said that, you know, you can never have enough people, time or money. And, and we're, we're, we're no different in, in our business. And, and so, uh, you know, the, uh, I, I would like the state for uh, to increase the, the per people funding um, and, and maybe move to an enrollment uh, funding versus uh, daily attendance. Uh, you know, especially given the pandemic. Yeah, um, and, same and thing. We heard people from, are still a little, yeah. little, a little nervous still about sending kids to school. All right, um, and we'd like to like to see some help from the state uh, on that side. Ten four, Doctor D. Uh, continued success and best of luck this year, Dr. Dino Coronado from Westlake Schools. Your Houston Astros play here. And he drives this one up the middle. That's a base hit. Catch Astros baseball action all season long on News Talk 710-KURV. Deep to left field. Kiss it goodbye. Every hit. Every home run. First pitch and he drives it. Left field. Good one. It's out of here. Astros baseball is powered by F&T Valley Motorsports, Riverside Development Services, Taco Olay, MissionIncredible.com, and News Talk 710-KURV. listening to the best of the valley's morning news here's sergio in the event there's a tropical system in the gulf of mexico churning this way you want to keep it tuned to 710kurv stay informed during hurricane season tropical coverage 2022 on air and online at kurv.com made possible by mike's plumbing electrical and ac vega roofing mcafee insurance and elephant building materials Welcome back, Lance Ames, CEO of South Texas Health System. Edinburgh Campus update. Saw you in the news, Mr. Ames, at the Edinburgh Campus. You've got a, a new tower. We're celebrating a new tower out there. So give me an update. You turn on all the lights, or you still have a, a bit more work to do on campus? Hey, good morning. Great to be with you all. Yes, sir. Um, you know, we, we are open for our emergency department and also our ICU. We're just uh, really excited to be able to give a great experience to our patients and um, help them feel the comforts of South Texas Health System Edinburgh. Uh, there's more to come. Uh, we're going to open round two, uh, which will be more inpatient nursing floors and inpatient rehabilitation in September. In the end, uh, once you finish all the work, how many rooms, how many floors, how big will the new tower, the new facility be? So we're going to add an additional 59 beds uh, overall with this, the floors that we're opening this year. And after this year, we have more to come. We have the capacity to add up to 55 more. So this is really going to give the Valley a great resource, more beds, um, and really in an upscale, very comfortable environment. New equipment on the campus that you're touting. What you got? Uh, I know one of the write-ups mentioned that we're able to keep more folks in South Texas instead of these folks going out of town to get some, some treatment. So what you got on campus? Uh, so technology is a big part of what we like to bring um, to the Rio Grande Valley. And uh, with the tower that we've opened, we're adding a lot of great um, pieces of equipment to our hospital. Uh, we have a 640 slice CT, which is um, very advanced for CT technology. Um, we're able to essentially do uh, one scan in three seconds. 
and it will reduce the amount of radiation dosage that our patients receive, which is a good thing. Uh, we also have a 3T MRI, which is the most advanced in the valley. And uh, above and beyond that, we have um, really uh, advanced interventional radiology services that we've we brought on board. And um, I think there's a lot of attention just to the detail. Uh, when you come into our rooms, we've got dimmable lights. We have uh, larger windows and really just things that make the experience more comfortable for our patients. Lance Ames is CEO of South Texas Health System. We're getting a, an update on the expanding, growing Edinburgh campus. Got a new tower that they're celebrating. They're open now for adults' emergencies, and they got ICU um, as well at that facility. Staffing, I know, is an issue for everyone. Everybody seems to be hiring. Uh, this, These are renaissance days, glory days for South Texas. I don't recall a time when we've had so many help-wanted um, signs at medical institutions <laughs> in South Texas. How are you doing on staffing? I, I bet you got a lot of positions open. We do. And I will say, I mean, more important than any beautiful building and most advanced technology are the people that are working inside. And so we've been working really hard to build a really good team. And um, we, we've done a great job. We've, we brought a lot of people on board. So we've seen um, a lot of nurses, a lot of uh, lab technicians, others um, starting to join our team, which is really exciting. And um, we still have positions open. So, you know, any of the, the nurses, lab technicians, even OR nurses, Others are still invited to come and check out our job listings at South Texas Health System Edinburgh um, on their website. And uh, there's more to come. Lance Ames, the CEO of South Texas Health Systems, Edinburgh campus is expanding. Right down the street, your amigos over at DHR, they're expanding too. Driscoll Children's opening up an eight-story facility, uh, a big hospital. They're hiring by the hundreds. Back to Edinburgh, Masomenos, don't mean to put you on the spot. How many positions are open that you need to put Phil over at the Edinburgh Hospital. I know you got another hospital in in the McAllen area, but how many positions ballpark figure would you say you got open right now at uh, South Texas um, Health System? We we have over a uh, 120 positions open right now. Yeah, sounds like a job fair in the making. You got one around the corner. Uh, we actually we do. So every Tuesday, uh, we invite the general public and others who are looking at you know any of our jobs in the hospital to come by and get to know the tower, uh, get to know our leadership team and feel a little bit about who we are as a as a hospital and uh, anytime during the day you're welcome to come by and we do have those job fairs with you and colleagues and you know competitors nearby do you think that on the medical side we might be getting a bit closer to the day where we can say we are meeting the need we we uh, we can finally shed that underserved term that we've been using to describe a south texas health um, medical systems? Do you think the underserved label, we can get rid of that sometime near future? Uh, that's our goal. Uh, we, we keep bringing in more and more uh, medical um, specialists uh, from our physician standpoint. We're bringing in the latest technology. I think we still have a ways to go, but we're making incredible progress. And uh, this new tower at the South Texas Health System Edinburgh side is definitely a huge step in getting us that goal. You got some interns from the local university and other universities walking the halls, maybe try to you know, convince these people to come here, stay in South Texas? Absolutely. Uh, there's not a better place to live than South Texas, right? That's my opinion, along with yours, Lance. But what do you say to people from out of town up north, Midwest, saying, come down to the valley? You're going to love it down here. What are you selling them in order to convince them to come down here and stay? Hey, you don't have to shovel snow down here. That's number one. I, <laughs> That's... I came from the north, actually. I've, I've lived down That's here a good for one. 10 years and. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, this is a, a gem. 
in anywhere I've, I've been in the United States, the Rio Grande Valley is definitely a special place. It's not just the weather. Uh, it's not just the beach that we've got, but the, the people of the Rio Grande Valley are just a, incredible people. Um, it's, it's a great culture here. It's a place that anyone would want to be and raise a family, uh, enjoy Indeed. the um, many activities and uh, community events that we always have going on. So we, we're able to to let people know about that. Once we bring people here, they see the magic of the RGV, and uh, it's been good to, to bring more people here. Continued success, Lance. Again, the campus, as far as this tower, you said should be completed by when, did you say? Everything as far as all the construction? Uh, we're looking at mid-September. That's, that's around the corner. Okay, and then maybe more construction pretty soon, right after that. Mr. Ames, thank um, you. Absolutely. Yeah. Go ahead, and final thought. Go ahead, sir. No, I, I just said, yes, there, there, there's always more to come. Uh, we take it one step at a time and just make sure that we're meeting the needs of the community. Keep in touch, Mr. Ames, and best of luck to you. Lance Ames, CEO of South Texas Health System. News Talk 710 KURV. When news breaks, we break in. Break in. Breaking news. Stay alert and listen to the weather forecast. We need to be aware and alert to what's going on. Breaking news means it's happening now. And we mean now. Breaking news underway right now. Breaking news. On News Talk 710 KURV means we're bringing you the news as it happens. We have an active shooter, multiple gunshot. In this particular instance, we are in receipt of information. When news breaks, we'll break in. Count on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. Download the free app for 710KURV and all our sister stations at Radio United. Crisp, clear audio and access to previous programs from 710KURV only at Radio Parami. Download it. It's free. Portofbrownsville.com. Check out the website and the news that affects all of us. Our massive private sector engine that is our port. Got lots of news at the port. And Ed Campidano is chief at the Rio Grande Valley Port of Brownsville. The newsletter is out for the month of August. Guess we'll start with saying congratulations to Keppel Amphil's delivery of a brand new vessel. It's LNG powered. That's all I know. So tell me a bit more about that. Uh, well, good morning. One is that, yes, this is the MV George III. The sister ship is the Janet Marie. That one will be delivered shortly. Both of these vessels were constructed for a Jones Act-based operation in Hawaii, Pesha, Hawaii, and they operate from Hawaii to Long Beach to Oakland and back. So this is a big deal. This is a significant development. This is the only large-scale shipbuilding that's going on in the state of Texas. This is certainly a job creator. And you've heard me say in the past, Sergio, that these two vessels uh, are uh, dual fuel, meaning that they can run on conventional fuels as well as LNG. So this one is, is being delivered. Uh, the Janet Marie will be delivered shortly, but they're still working on two additional vessels for the Jones Good. Act trade. Good. The largest hopper dredge in the Jones Act fleet is being built for Manson construction. Then they're also building a first of its kind in the Jones Act fleet, which is a vessel that's going to be used to transport and erect the offshore wind turbines off the East Coast. So uh, all of those are significant developments. And of course, it means jobs at the Port of Brazil, and it means jobs Absolutely. in the region. I recall when the contract was just for two uh, LNG-powered, uh, the construction of just two ships, so we got 
one delivered right now, one right. on the way, and another, a third one. Is there a prospect we can get some more ship construction at the well, port? Well, the, the, absolutely there's a prospect. Uh, one is the two Pesha vessels also came with a potential for constructing two more for Pesha Hawaii. Um, that has not been announced, uh, whether they're pursuing uh, any more construction for Pesha. And these other two contracts that were announced are, are again, for separate entities, but they are under construction currently at the shipyard. And I expect you're going to hear more news uh, related to Keppel's efforts. Just in the offshore wind industry, which is the new and developing in this country, there's still a whole lot of support infrastructure, including vessels that have to be constructed to be able to support that industry. So uh, I do expect, I think they, they are, they're certainly working to, um, to attract uh, uh, new uh, contracts to the shipyard, but uh, we'll be hearing more from Keppel's as, as time continues. Big news on the LNG front, and next decade, I guess, partnering up with Exxon. How much liquefied natural gas has Exxon uh, committed to purchasing or receiving from next decade if and when they set up shop at Brownsville? Yeah. Well, this is this is this announcement is the sixth what they call the uh, sales and purchase agreement uh, that leads to a commitment uh, to purchase uh, uh, liquid natural gas uh, on a long-term basis. This particular one with Exxon is for one million tons, but it's a 20-year agreement. So, you know, cumulatively they've got six agreements signed. Uh, Shell. Uh, they've got three Chinese interests, the French interests, and of course the two U.S. interests, including uh, ExxonMobil. So they're proceeding. Um, you know, the goal obviously is to uh, sell out what they call the first three trains, uh, but they're making headway towards uh, getting 10 million um, uh, tons of annual commitment. And, you know, that of course puts us in a position, puts them in a position, and you know, they're still working to do this, is to announce making FID before the end of the FID, year. FID, so final investment. All of these are yes. final investment decisions. Right. All of these are positive steps towards that end. So uh, we're certainly excited. Uh, we expect to hear more. Uh, you know, they've made all of these gains in, in a relatively short period of time. Yeah. You know, the last five announcements have been made from March to the present, and uh, we understand that more maybe on the way. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of activity in, in, in the global LNG market at the moment. The combined contracts that have been folks that have signed and committed to receiving the LNG from next decade, uh, you told me that number last time. They were yeah, cooking on there. What, what was uh, it? 8.75 million Almost tons there. per annum. With Exxon, it's now 8.7, right? That's correct. 7.5, yeah. 8.75. Wow. So, man, we're one contract, two away, and there you go. We're We'll be just tapping our feet, waiting for any any moment now, waiting for a final investment decision from well, LNG. That's what, that's what we uh, anticipate occurring. So, uh, and then Texas LNG is also making headway. You know, they've set up their operations in Houston with their new EPC, uh, and, uh, 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 and so they're uh, they're also uh, um, announcing that they're looking to make FID before the end of the year. And so, you know, all of those, again, are indicative of, of the global market and the demand for LNG. So uh, it's going to continue. Uh, all forecasts are that uh, it will continue. And, and as I often said, you know, gas is going to be the bridge to uh, the new non-greenhouse non gas fuels. Yeah. But, uh, you know, all of that will take time uh, to develop. So uh, these are all good steps in the right direction. Excellent. Without a doubt. Excellent. All right. Ed Campinano. 
Port Director or Rio Grande Valley Port of Brownsville. You still bullish on hearing a FID final investment decision before the end of 2022? Uh, yes, we are. Wow. Uh, in fact, we're <laughs> we're not only uh, uh, anticipating their announcement, but as you know, we're also working on a big piece of this project, which is the deepening of the ship channel, and yeah. and we're moving forward on that as well. So, mm. you know, both of these things are working in unison, uh, and uh, so we do expect FID to be made before well, the end. Of the we're, year. we're on standby over here, and we hear that FID. You know what's going to happen? We're we're going to come knocking at your door, spend. KURV all day broadcasting from the port and fleshing out the you're economic more, benefits. All you're day. more than welcome. <laughs> we're you're more than there. welcome to do so. Uh, <laughs> real quick, expanding rail capacity uh, functions. There, uh, there was something in the newsletter related to that. Yes, yes. Uh, our our uh, uh, Omnitrax, who is our partner, uh, our operator essentially of our port-owned railroad, the Brownsville Rio Grande International Railway, uh, they've completed a yard expansion to what we call our Palo Alto yard. Uh, they're adding additional capacity, and that's all being driven by just simply the increase in business. You know, our, whether it's our steel slab business, uh, which is uh, our number one uh, rail uh, uh, user by, by far, uh, to all the other commodities, whether they're refined product, whether they're scrap steel, um, you know, grain, uh, you know, any number of commodities that will move by rail. Uh, and so they've added additional capacity at the Palo Alto yard to be able to handle uh, additional rail cars. So uh, those are all, again, positive signs. You know, we're just trying to keep up with the uh, growth that we see occurring at the Port of Brownsville. And, and uh, uh, we're happy to have uh, Omnitrax as, as, as a partner uh, and uh, okay. continue to expand the, the port's rail capacity. Ed, thank you for the update. Great news. Continued success. Ed Campidano or Rio Grande Valley Port of Brownsville. Check out the website, portofbrownsville.com. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radiopotomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. Monthly report on sales trends for the area, all based on the comptroller's report of sales tax collection. Matt Ruschek, our friend from Coastep, joining us at the moment. So these numbers are which month? Which report, buddy? Morning, Sergio. This, these numbers are the August report, which reflects June sales. Okay, so let's let's spin them. What you got? Well, uh, numbers overall quite decent. Uh, we have a couple of effects that I want to address before we get into specific numbers. Number one, base effect, uh, which means these numbers for June 2022 are compared to numbers in June 2021. Okay. And so obviously the performance in June 2021 matters. And June 2021 was one of the outstanding months. We were up as a valley, up at a total of 20.38%. So we had an outstanding June in 2021, which is going to affect the base numbers here in 22. Okay. Number two, the thing that's on almost everybody's mind, inflation. Inflation for a month 
uh, as a whole for June 2022 was 9.1% year over year. So 9.1% inflation from June 2021 to June 2022. But these sales tax numbers do not include fuel, they don't include rents, they don't include cars, they don't include food. And so we look at core inflation in that case, which was uh, 5.9% is our reference number for baseline inflation. And so with that out of the way, let's dive into the numbers. Our reference point is always the state of Texas. So for uh, the month of June 2022 compared to June 2021, the state of Texas was up a healthy 9.83%. So above core inflation uh, and you know, decent compared to, to, to the previous year. The value as a whole was up, uh, the value as a whole was up 6.32%. So about three percentage points behind the state and right at that core inflation number. That's not necessarily bad news because I mentioned the value last year was up 20.38%, was actually up 4% over the state. So we can say the numbers are balancing out. Now, within the valley, I think there's, a, there's an interesting effect that I want to highlight, and that is that the big communities are doing quite well now. Remember, we talked during COVID that the smaller communities were rising, and now the bigger communities are clearly catching up. We've seen that in the trends for a few months now. And so talk about the big communities. Over in Cameron County, Brownsville, up 7.52%, good number. The county as a whole was up 5.6, so Brownsville outperformed the county as a whole. We can assume a very similar effect over in Hidalgo County, where we had uh, McAllen up 10.01%, so it's called 10% flat uh, year over year. We had Edinburgh up 13.46%, and we had, Edinburgh, uh, we had Mercedes up 13.7%. So you know, major retail markets, uh, a very strong in the double digits. The county as a whole was up 6.72%. Um, and so these, some of these major communities even outperformed the, uh, the county as a whole by a factor of two. And so we see very, very healthy growth there as well. Um, and we also see good growth over in Stark County, uh, Rio Grande City uh, up 8.05% year over year, very healthy number. Stark County as a whole was up 6.78%. And so once again, the value as a whole up uh, 6.32% uh, and a notch above core inflation, which is which is a good number, which means we're fairly steady. Um, and particularly in light of the very strong performance in 2021, it's nice to see that we're holding uh, holding quite well. So okay. all in all, this is not an amazing report, but it's a pretty strong number. Sure. So if the numbers in this report from the comptroller do not include mm-hmm. groceries, that's what you said about food, because we're not looking at restaurants. Correct. Okay, so it's groceries. Uh, gasoline, uh, car sales, for example, not, not included on this. So we're looking at the selling of merchandise, electronics, clothing, restaurants, right? right? That's what we're looking at, right? Yeah. So McAllen, 10% up now compared to, what well, now in June compared to the previous year to whatever the take was. That's correct. Uh, with McAllen being the lead horse in the economy as far as retail activity with all the restaurants and stores, that says a lot about the strength mm-hmm. at the start of summer in June. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, this, this is a sales tax report allocation for the individual cities. And so, like you said, the, the, the uh, fuel, cars, uh, food are not subject to city sales tax. Therefore, yeah. their, those numbers don't flow in here. There we go. And yes, definitely. I think it's a it's a very good uh, sign of uh, uh, it's a very oh, grocery store. All the shopping. Some grocery store. There we go. That. All right. And so it's a very good sign for, for a healthy start uh, into into summer. Yes, sir. In terms of sales tax. Uh, you know, not double-digit growth like we were used to, uh, you know, even 20% growth like we were used to for the last couple of years, but still being up a healthy uh, single-digit, upper single-digit range, 
uh, above core inflation, uh, I think that's a good sign that, that, we're, yeah. that we're trucking a lot. No, that's uh, and it's a great indication because the numbers last year this time were warped. Uh, considering everything was sh- mm-hmm. shut down the, pre- the year prior to that. The 21 numbers were way uh, out of proportion. Uh, Matt Roosjack joining us from Coastep. He's got the monthly sales tax trends for South Texas. Yeah, Matt, Tim Sullivan here. So what you were talking about a moment ago, what about those smaller communities that you referenced that were going great guns during the, the height of the pandemic mm-hmm. and now with larger cities kind of getting the brunt of the sales tax revenue again? How, how far back have or will have these smaller or medium-sized cities have they fallen back significantly and, and how far or? i would say that they're, they're evening out you know if you look at i do an overall number and look at how many communities are up so in the valley as a whole 35 out of 44 communities were up for the month of june um, so that's a pretty still healthy number that the majority of of the ships are rising uh, up over 5%, we have 20 out of the 44 communities. And I'm guessing um, and these so communities the, the, are like Weselico, Donna, Alamo, um, some correct. of Correct. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Those, those are some of the mid-sized markets and small markets. I'll give you an idea. Weselico was up 2.53%. Uh, Donna was actually had a very healthy month, up 20.23%. Donna has been rising quite a bit. Um, Alamo was up 9.74%. Uh, Alton was up 9.6%. Let me pick up Cameron County one. Uh, let's see Port Isabel. Port Isabel was up 6.35%. Um, and so San Benito was up 7.17%. And so these smaller mid-sized communities are not growing as rapidly now as the bigger communities at the moment. Nothing the, to complain about too much, though. A year or two ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, they, but it's not like their bottom is falling out of yeah. the country. Yeah, good. Matt Roosjack from Costa joining us. Start of summer selling and summer buying. June, pretty pretty good for South Texas. So nothing to indicate those numbers are going to throttle back for July and August since, you know, just anecdotally in other business reports, it seemed that people this summer, man, they were buying a bunch of stuff, traveling a lot, buying a lot. They were just getting out for the first time in, in, a, in a long time. So chances are that July and August – for the next couple of months when we get those reports, uh, those those numbers should be okay as well. Yeah, I, I feel quite optimistic about, you know, speaking of traveling, I'll tell you the one number, that, looking at some of the state communities in the state, the one number that continues to amaze me is Austin. Um, Austin has been really uh, on a tear uh, since the pandemic has calmed down. People kind of got out and were out and about. Um, just for reference, the Austin number for this year is up. 19.52% in June of 2022 compared to June of 2021. So, and those numbers have been consistently high for the last uh, year and a half or so. So, uh, definitely, I would say people are traveling, and Austin seems to be a popular destination. Yeah, Hill Country, and of course, with all the growth, I'm sure factored into that as well. They, they're growing mm-hmm. like there's no tomorrow. It's everybody seems to be moving to uh, Central Texas Ranch Country. Okay, so uh, for Coast Step, anything to report on the economic de- development side? You you want you want us to know. Yeah. Sure, absolutely. We'd love to talk to a couple couple uh, words about that. We've been very active. You know, this is our active part of the year. Uh, we were over in Europe in June at the Battery Show. We are actually going to be at the North American Battery Show here in three weeks' time, uh, middle of September. We're going to be going to also looking at the medical device industry. Uh, we're going to be at Biomed Device in Boston, the heart of the uh, you know medical industry in the United States. Uh, at the end of September, and then we'll be in Europe uh, in November, knock on wood, if everything works out well, 
at the largest uh, medical uh, show in the world. Get all that medical stuff, Uh, Matt. Get all that medical stuff, dude. Tell them to repatriate, bring it back to the U.S. We can't be vulnerable to all these uh, assembly lines in Asia. We can do it. We got the clean rooms in Pregnosa Matamos. We can do that down here. Thank you, Matt. (laughs) Matt Ruschak from Costep with the monthly report on retail sales. This is the only radio station in the Rio Grande Valley for the news and information you need to know. We are News Talk 710K URV. Discover our Facebook page, 710KURV, also Twitter. I'm Sergio Sanchez, and my email is sergio at kurv.com. Thank you for listening to News Talk 710KURV. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Para Mi app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV.